Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Saving Grace, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Romans. Here's Pastor Nick. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. And if you would please open with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans. It's in your New Testament, so you get the guys' names, right? The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, and then Romans. Then go to Romans, and then go to chapter 9. We're going to be looking at the last few verses of chapter 9, and then into chapter 10. We are continuing our study today, which is called Saving Grace. This is our study through the letter to the Romans. So we are studying through the whole letter, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. That's how we, we generally like to study the Bible here at Whitefields because that way we can get the whole context and we get to understand everything that God has to say to us through this. We let God speak to us and then we respond. So today we have come all the way. We've been journeying through Romans and we are now in chapter nine. We looked at the first part last week and we're gonna be looking at the second part and into chapter 10 this week. Let's go ahead and begin our study this morning by reading uh, Romans chapter 9, starting verse 30 and into into chapter 10. If you need a Bible, go ahead and uh, put your hand in the air and one of our ushers will get you a Bible. Or if you want to follow along on your phone, we uh, encourage you to use the YouVersion Bible app. If you go into the menu, then uh, we've got some places in the menu there uh, where you can find our notes that are up on the screen and, and some other things as well. So um, let's go ahead and begin by reading our text in Romans chapter 9. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But the Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved, for I bear witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this this good news, this gospel of Jesus Christ, this righteousness which comes from the outside, which is given to us as a gift of grace that we receive by faith, uh, and it's not based on our works and our righteousness. Lord, we pray that you would solidify this in our hearts, and that you would use this text this morning to speak into areas of our lives that need to be addressed. Lord, you know what those are. Thank you that you're here and that you speak to us through your word, and we pray that you would do that this morning, that we would hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of today's message is Understanding Israel, part two, uh, which is Receiving God's Grace. This is a second part of a three-part kind of like mini-series that we're doing within our study of Romans. And we're calling this mini-series within our series, Understanding Israel, because Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 are all about explaining and understanding the role of Israel in the Bible and in God's plan of salvation. The first eight books, or first eight chapters of this letter. You know, some people might say, well, what, why is that? Paul's been talking about justification, all these things that God does for us in Christ, and now he just switches gears and talks about Israel? Not at all. I mean, it's not a total tangent 
whatsoever. This totally flows out of everything he's been saying. You see, for the first eight chapters of this letter, Paul has been talking to us about the matchless love of God, the good news of the gospel, that despite our sins, despite our shortcomings, God has saved us through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And we can be sure of this salvation because God always keeps his promises and God has chosen us to be his people. If we are in Christ, Paul says, God has chosen you to be in Christ since before the foundations of the earth. And there's nothing on heaven or on earth that can separate you from the love of God. And that's really great. That's really encouraging, right? Except that somebody might come and they might say, yeah, those are all really nice things, but didn't God promise all those things to Israel as well? And now look at where they're at. There's a bunch of them who don't believe, who don't follow, who, who have rejected the Messiah. And so did God not keep his promises to them? And, and if God didn't keep his promises to them, then how do we know that God's going to actually keep his promises to us? I mean, weren't the Jews also God's chosen people? Didn't God also place his love on them? Didn't he promise to be faithful to them and see them through? And, and now, you know, if you look at them, there's so many who don't believe. So are those Old Testament promises still valid today? And, and if they're not, well, then that means that God doesn't actually keep his promises. And if God doesn't keep his promises to them, then who's to say that God will keep any of his promises to us? See, these questions about Israel are very important to everything that Paul has been saying up until now. And so they're very important for us to understand. In Romans chapter 9, as we looked at last week, Paul explained that the Jewish rejection of Jesus, he explained it in terms of God's sovereign plan. In other words, he said, God chooses one and doesn't choose another. And not everybody who's descended from Israel is part of the remnant of believing Israel who will be saved. God shows mercy to one and he doesn't show mercy to another. Is that fair? And he said, yes, because by definition, Mercy is not about fairness. Mercy is beyond fairness. No one deserves mercy. It's a gift. See, what we deserve is judgment because we've fallen short, but God in his great mercy has shown mercy to some. Not arbitrarily. He doesn't just eeny, meeny, miny, mo, but he does it according to his plan. So the answer Paul gives us in chapter nine for, for the Jewish rejection of Jesus is he says, God is sovereign. God has a plan, and we trust in that. But now here, starting in verse 30 of chapter 9, Paul really shifts gears. And what he's going to do is he's going to give us a different perspective on Israel. And what he's going to say is, well, here's another perspective on it. They chose to reject the salvation that God sent them. They chose, and they bear the responsibility for that. Now, we often wonder, don't we? Like, like we hear these things, like that we say that God is in complete control. But, but what is the relationship between God's sovereignty and human responsibility? Because the Bible teaches both. In, in theological terms, this is what we call an antinomy or an antinomy or however you pronounce it. I'm not actually sure. Maybe you know. But an antinomy is where there are two things which seem to be mutually exclusive, and yet they are both true at the same time. And one Christian writer, Charles Simeon, he explained it this way. I thought this was very, very good. He said, as wheels in a complicated machine may move in opposite directions and yet serve a common end, so may apparently opposite truths be perfectly reconcilable with each other and equally serve the purposes of God in the accomplishment of man's salvation. 
So there are two big issues that are addressed here in this chapter that we're going to look at. Number one, we're going to talk about why many people miss the gospel. And number two, we're going to talk about your role in God's plan. So why many people miss the gospel and your role in God's plan. The first part, why many people miss the gospel. Paul starts off in chapter 9, verse 30 in this section. And he says, I want you to think about the irony of this situation. Here's the situation. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness, but the Jews who spend their whole lives pursuing righteousness have not attained righteousness. It's ironic. These Jewish people, as a nation, they have been waiting for thousands of years preparing for the Messiah. And then he comes and they completely miss him. On the other hand, Gentile people who weren't even looking for the Messiah, like they didn't even know like that the, the Messiah is a thing, and, and they found him. It's ironic. It's topsy-turvy. It's crazy. How did that happen? How did the Jews miss it? And now, I've certainly felt that way before. Maybe you have too. So I'll read the Old Testament. I'll study the Bible. I study what the Bible says about the Messiah and who he will be and what he will do. And I read things like Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem to a virgin. Very clear. Psalm 22 describes in detail a crucifixion, and that this is what will happen to the Messiah. He will be crucified. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus. And you study it, and what you find yourself asking the question, the more you study the Old Testament, is how could they have possibly missed this? It just seems so clear, seems so obvious. Now, what we mentioned last week is that in Acts chapter 6, it tells us that it wasn't all the Jews who missed this. And so don't think that it was all of them. Acts chapter 6 tells us that a huge portion of the city of Jerusalem believed in Jesus, including many of the priests, the people who were closest to Judaism. But notice this, not all of the Jews believed in Jesus. And if you look around the world today, there are about 15 million Jews in the world. Most of them are non-religious. The great majority are non-religious. About half a million of them are Messianic Jews. In other words, Jews who believe in Jesus, who are Christians. And then they have, you have several million Jews who are practicing Jews. They actually practice Judaism. And, and you look at the Jewish people back then, and you look at practicing Jews today, and you can't help but wonder, how do they not see it? Like, why, why do they look at these things? They read the scriptures, but they don't see it. It seems so obvious. How could you miss it? And Paul gives the answer here in chapter 9, verse 32. He says, here's why. Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. In other words, a lot of people in the world are pursuing righteousness, but there's two ways to pursue righteousness. Either on your own merits or by receiving it as God's gift that you receive by faith. He says this is the key issue. Righteousness comes by faith, not by works. And this was the stumbling point. This is the stumbling point for the Jewish people. Look at what he says again in, in verse 31. Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching their law. But, verse 30, the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness by faith. So this is the key issue. The message of the gospel is that righteousness, a, a right standing before God, is not something that can be earned. It's not something that can be merited. You can't get it by being a really good person. You can't get it through being very religious. 
You can't get it. You can't earn it, period. A right standing with God is something that can only be received as a gift, which God gives you and you receive it by faith. And this, Paul says in verse 32, this is why the Jews missed it. This was their stumbling point. He says there in verse 32, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying that Jesus is a stumbling stone. Then he quotes This is a quote from Isaiah. He says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus is called the rock of offense and the stone of stumbling. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. We have implemented procedures to ensure your safety as we gather for worship and studying God's Word. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. But whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. In other words, you can build your life upon him or you will stumble over him. And this is why many people, not just the Jews, miss the gospel. This is the key issue. Just as we talk about it, how is it that people can look at the gospel? This word gospel, it means good news. That's the core message of Christianity. It's not good advice about what you need to do for God to accept you. It's good news about what he has done for you in Christ. And so how is it that people can look at this good news and say, no thanks? Just like we look at the Jews and we wonder, how could you miss it? We look at people who who hear the gospel and it doesn't make sense. How could you look at this and not want it, right? Like if the gospel is such good news, then why does anybody pass it up? I mean, think about it. Here's God and he's offering you heaven instead of hell. He's offering you a relationship with him. He's offering to forgive your sins and put his spirit inside of you to fill you with his power to live a victorious life. And people look at that and they say, eh, no thanks. And you're like, how could you say that? Why? And they say, well, I'm fine on my own. I don't need that. And it's the same issue with the Jews. The reason why many miss the gospel is the same reason why the Jews miss Jesus. Because many of us believe that we can do it on our own. In other words, if we were to stand before God today, many people believe that God would would look at us and he would consider the good things we've done and he would look at your heart and see your, your good intentions and he would say, well, I can see that you're a pretty good person and you have pretty good intentions, so come on into heaven. And yeah, I know you've done some things that you shouldn't have, but who hasn't? All in all, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, so come on in. In other words, the stumbling block for the Jews is the same reason that many people miss the gospel today, and that is this. They think that they can earn God's acceptance by being good enough. The problem is the Bible makes it very clear that that is not the case. And this is why Jesus is a stumbling block for many people. Verse uh, 33, Paul is quoting from Isaiah, and he calls Jesus the rock of offense. In other words, the gospel, the message of the cross, that Jesus died for our sins, that we're so sinful that God himself had to die for us in order to save us, that offends our sense of self-righteousness. Because what it tells us is that we don't have what it takes in order to save ourselves. We need a divine act of mercy in order for us to be saved. This, uh, this past week, I was up in Estes Park all week. I was teaching at a Bible college, and I taught through, one of, I taught two classes. One of them I taught through Genesis. So I taught uh, 15 hours through the book of Genesis for about 40 students. It was a great time. And as we went through Genesis, I, I, I recognized this again as I went through the book, that this is a recurring theme. 
that salvation is not a reward for good behavior. Salvation is a gift that is received by faith. Now, this is Old Testament stuff. This is foundational first book of the Bible stuff, and it teaches the same thing. That salvation is not a reward that you get by good behavior. It is a gift that you receive by faith. There are several stories in the book of Genesis which teach this principle, but one that stuck out to me this past week as I was teaching through Genesis again was chapter 20. Do you remember what happened in Genesis 20? Feel free to read it if you want, but I'll kind of give you a recap. Here's what happens. We have Abraham. He's the father of faith. He's the patriarch. He's the, the Bible calls him the friend of God. He is a believer who lives in the midst of an unbelieving society, right? He's the one who knows God and walks with God in the midst of people who don't. And in Genesis chapter 20, here's what happens. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, travel into a neighboring region that's ruled by this kind of warlord guy named Abimelech. And Abraham says to his wife, Sarah, Okay, Sarah, so like this area we're going, these people, they're not believers like, like we are, right? Like they're just uh, heathens. They, they probably are, are very immoral people. Um, and, you know, they're probably going to want to kill me so that they can get you. Um, and so he says, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lie to them and I'm going to tell them you're my sister. And then I'm going to sell you to them as a kind of sex slave. And she's like, wait a second. So these people are are bad, right? And he's like, yep, that's right. That's why I'm going to lie to them and then sell you to them. And she's like, okay, so, so you're going to sell me to the murderous heathens because they're bad and scary. And he's like, precisely. And you're going to sell me into their harem of concubines so that you can be safe and you're just going to let me be part of their harem of concubines. And he's like, Exactly. Now let's go do it. And so they do it and they go along. And and that night, Abimelech has this dream in which he finds out in this dream, God tells him in this dream that Sarah is Abraham's wife, so he better not touch her. And you know what Abimelech says? He says, hey, I am a man of integrity. I would never touch another man's wife. And God's like, I know, that's why I told you. And so I know that you're an upstanding guy, so I want you to not sleep with this woman, and I want you to, uh, you know, send her back to her husband in the morning. So in the morning, Abimelech, this unbeliever, right, this, this nasty heathen, supposedly, he, he gets up and he goes to Abraham and he confronts him. He says, hey man, what the heck, right? Like, I'm a man of integrity. I would never sleep with another man's wife. And you lied to me. I don't lie to people. And, and Abraham gives, I, I love this. He says, well, let me explain. The reason I lied to you is because I knew that you were a godless person. And so therefore I sold you my wife, you know, and I lied to you because I know you guys don't believe in God. And I figured you're bad and evil and stuff. And it's an incredible story because, see, it doesn't fit into our, our paradigm of good and bad. Abraham's supposed to be the good guy, but he's not acting like a good guy. And, and he even thinks that he's morally superior to these other people over here who don't believe in God, but he's not. They have more integrity than he does. Now, it's not supposed to be that way, but, but oftentimes this is the reality of life. Abraham thinks that he's morally superior to these unbelievers, but he's not acting with any integrity whatsoever. Why is that story even in the Bible? Like maybe, you know, if, if they wouldn't have put it in the Bible, we would never know about it. Like, and he could have just forgot that whole terrible episode. But God puts it in the Bible. Why? 
Here's the reason. Because back in Genesis chapter 15, just before that, there was this incredible statement. God made these promises to Abraham. He said, Abraham, you're going to take my hand and you're going to walk with me. I've chosen you. You're mine. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham's righteousness, his right standing with God, it wasn't based on his morality. It wasn't based on anything that Abraham did. It was a status which was sovereignly bestowed upon Abraham and Abraham received it by faith. In other words, if righteousness was based on being a person of integrity, then Abimelech would be right with God and Abraham wouldn't. If salvation is based on good behavior, Abimelech's going to heaven and Abraham's going to hell. But we see this recurring theme throughout all of Genesis that sometimes people who don't know God act with integrity and sometimes people who do know God act without integrity and it shouldn't be that way. But the reason the Bible includes these stories is because it wants to drive home in a very radical, surprising way this fundamental point that the righteousness of God is not something you can earn. It's not something you can merit. It's something you must receive, and you receive it by faith. It's not based on your works. It's based on Jesus' works on your behalf. And for a lot of people, that's a stumbling block. They have a hard time wrapping their head around that and really taking hold of it. They say things like, so let me get this straight. You're saying, like, I could be a murderer, and all I have to do is just believe in Jesus, and I'll go to heaven, but a person who's lived a good life and, and is very charitable and kind, but they don't believe in Jesus, they go to hell. That doesn't seem fair at all. See, it's a stumbling point for many people, just as it was for the Jewish people, that salvation isn't based on works, but on Jesus's works on our behalf. See, what we've seen here in Romans, particularly in the first three chapters, is that everyone needs the gospel. We all need what Jesus has done for us, without exception, right? Whether you have lived a very moral life or whether you've lived a very immoral life, whether you've lived a religious life or an irreligious life, all of us have fallen short of God's perfect standards. And if God's perfect standard is called righteousness, then that means that we are unrighteous. Maybe you've not fallen short quite as badly as somebody else. Because that's the thing we always say. Look, I'm not perfect, but there are a lot of other people who are way worse than me. Maybe you haven't fallen short as badly as somebody else, but all of us have fallen short. It's like trying to jump over the Grand Canyon. Like you might be the best jumper in the world. You might be able to jump twice as far as the next best person but it's not going to be enough because that chasm that is between you and God, his righteousness and your unrighteousness is too great. What you need is not to jump on your own. What you need is for God to provide a bridge. Keep that in mind. We'll talk about that again in a minute. In chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire, my prayer for them, that's Israel, the Jewish people, of whom you might remember, Paul is ethnically Jewish himself. He says, my prayer for them is that they would be saved. Now, we saw in chapters 8 and 9, Paul talks so much about how he fully believes in the sovereignty of God, how he believes in predestination, and yet he prays for these people to be saved. He asks God to save these people. And I just want to ask you and, and challenge you with this. Is there somebody in your life who you can be praying for in the same way? Is there somebody in your life who you need to pray for their salvation, just like Paul prayed for the salvation of these people. I bet there is. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. Is whatever you're taking notes with right now or whether you're on your phone or taking notes, 
I want you to write down that person's name, or maybe it's multiple people. And what I want you to do is I want you to place that somewhere where it's prominent, where you're going to see it. And I want you to be reminded of it. And I want you to be reminded to pray for that person, just like Paul prayed for them, in a concerted way for their salvation. He says in verse 2, For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Paul says, this is the most heartbreaking thing. I know that these Jewish people, I know they're sincere because he said, I was in that same boat. I was sincere, but I, was, I came to realize that I was sincerely wrong. See, there's this Nike campaign right now. Have you guys seen it? It says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Now, I love the idea of, of truly being zealous for something to the point of sacrificing everything. Uh, but think about the sentiment of this. It, it really is kind of the mantra of our modern society, which is this. It doesn't matter what you believe. Just believe in something, anything, as long as you believe it with your whole heart and as long as you're zealous for it. Now, I just want to say, like, that is an unwise message. Because, look, you don't want to just believe in something, do you? You want to believe in the truth. You don't want to just believe in something. There are a lot of things out there to believe in. Like, there are people who believe that the earth is flat. And they believe it with their whole heart. Doesn't mean they're right. So, don't just believe in something. Believe in the truth. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live-streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. Thank you.